Rusty Quill presents. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey everybody, welcome to the West Side Fairy Tales Horror and Lit Club episode for March 2020. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Night of the Hunter, the book, and the uh, and the movie. Um, but before that, you know, talk about some other stuff, man. It's crazy out there, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> this this it, it's coronavirus time. If you're listening to this in the future and uh, assuming that we're not all dead. Hey, did we? Did I hope we make it? <laughs> oh man! But looking back on this is going to be crazy. I always think about stuff uh, when I'm going through it, like as the way it's going to be told in a story. Because uh, if I don't do that, then I, I'm, you know, what the fuck? What the fuck am I even doing? With my that, that's my that's my bread and butter. That's how I do. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, dude, the, this is this is crazy. I did not think. Uh, that this coronavirus thing was gonna be this nuts, you know what I mean? Um, and whether or not you're you're sort of buying into the hype, or you really do believe that it's it's crazy, or that it's it's overblown, uh, there are no arguments, no arguments at all that it is wild outside right now. Everything's empty. Uh, I just tell a story today. We went and uh, we went and got bagels. Well, I went and got bagels because we we're hungover, and uh, it's my job to go and fetch the hangover food, which is fine with me. But <laughs> we went to go get, uh, or I went to go get bagels, right? And the bagel place, I had to, you had to like ask to go in, right? You're not allowed to come in and sit down. The governor's outlawed like anybody groups of a hundred or more, you know, throughout the state. So a lot of a lot of the restaurants are shut down. But even in this this little place, you know. The cook had a bandana over his face, uh, like like a fucking like a a, a, a Western bandit, <laughs> and I was like, "That's pretty fucking wild." And then an old lady came in, uh, and she had a bandana on too. And they, it's not like they knew each other. They didn't. 
they weren't working together, but that's just wild to me. That's wild that this is uh, that this is happening like this. Every I, I now I know whose mailing list I'm on. I don't know if this is happening to everybody else, but I mean, it has to be because every single company, even if it's a company that would never, I would never go to physically because it's you know online or something are sending me emails like during this time of crises these are the precautions we're taking i'm like i don't i don't give a fuck linkedin (laughs) i don't i don't give a shit amazon what the fuck you're doing during this i just hope that you deliver the packages and stuff chipotle sent me some stuff and i was like okay this is ridiculous but then they also sent me a thing like don't don't come in we're giving you free delivery uh just stay outside which is wild um, but it's it's crazy, you know. We're getting all these emails and stuff. I, I think here at the West Side Fairy Tales, we we are not. Uh, I I'm not gonna have any of my staff in because I have no staff but me. <laughs> I don't know what to say. But um, man, I hope everybody's doing okay out there. I know we have some older listeners, so you know if you're if you're out there and you're you're a little old or you're young and you know possibly going to typhoid marry all of the elderly people in your life to death just stay inside stay inside wash your hands um hey i know there's a lot of horror fans out there i, I probably don't need to tell you that <laughs> you're already just hey we're, we're we're on that we're 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 not going outside for fucking any reason at all thank you very much uh we're gonna sit in and watch some shutter oh which by the way you guys should absolutely do this isn't a paid uh sponsorship or anything but if you uh, if you didn't know, Shutter, which is a great online horror streaming site, uh, is giving away a month free right now with the code SHUTIN, S-H-U-T-I-N. Uh, and you can get a month free on Shutter. Uh, so definitely take advantage of that because that's just great. Normally, you only get like a week or two weeks with them, but this is a whole month. So, you know, check it out and then you can... Well, none of these recommendations are on the list, but tons of the recommendations that I've made uh, movie-wise throughout the history of the podcast are available on shutter uh sometimes they are sometimes they're not but usually usually they are so um man yeah like it it is it is pretty it is pretty wild out there so i hope you're all taking care of yourself and i hope you're all i hope you're all doing doing great man i i really do uh i like i didn't i didn't take this too serious because i i don't believe anything (laughs) that i hear in the news because i worked in the news uh, and I, I've seen uh, that I, I, I call it like editing creep where, you know, a story starts one way, you know, like, hey, this thing happened. And then, you know, it goes to the first editor and then the second editor. And they're like, well, that's the that's the real key part of the story. A little bit here gets shaved off a little bit. There gets shaved off. You lose a little context. And then by the time, you know, that story reaches the national stage, it's like fucking different than than what you wrote. You're like, what the fuck is this even? And people are like mad at you like. Like you're misrepresenting them. Like I, this isn't my fault. I didn't. I didn't do this. Um, but man, it is. It is fucking wild out there. And I hope you're all being safe. Enough of that. Uh, stuff I've been watching. We're gonna do. We're gonna do that real quick. Uh, what have I been watching? I just finally watched the original T- Texas Chainsaw Massacre last night. I feel like I'd seen it before, but I might have just like hallucinated that I had. It's great, by the way. If you haven't seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you should absolutely check it out. I don't know who the fuck I'm telling that to. <laughs> like, like people don't already know. Um, I've seen so many Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies, but I guess I just never saw the original one. 
I guess I just re- watched all these like remakes in the in the mid two thousands. You know, I'm I'm only thirty two, so there's not much time that I had to, you know, watch a movie that came out what almost twenty years before I was born. So, but it's great. It's actually good. It's not just like slashery. It, it's almost not even a slasher. I would say it's definitely the best of the original. You know, the big four. Uh, if I had to rank them in order, it would go Nightmare, Chainsaw. I wish there was, and then then and then um, you know, Halloween, and then I wish there was some like gap, like a big gap, like I could just jam something in there so people knew there was supposed to be like a a, a fourth and a fifth and a sixth place, and then I would put I would put Friday the Thirteenth on there, which is a it's dude that is a franchise that is just abused to death I, and it's like it's so weird I, I don't get i don't get friday the 13th i mean i get it um and if you don't know anything about it and you're just like kind of like one of those sort of horror fans like the first friday the 13th movie doesn't even have jason Voorhees in it really i mean it, technically and there's there's people that are just screaming into their at their, their at their car radios right now he's in it at the end but you know, it's not even it's not even a hockey mask. You don't even see the Jason Voorhees hockey mask, like the iconic Jason Voorhees, until like I think the third fucking movie, um, like Friday the Thirteenth Part One and Two are just nuts. <laughs> they're not they're not bad movies, like compared to other things that exist inside the slasher genre. I just think they get way too much credit. I don't know how they have so much staying power it's wild especially considering like you can't even make a fucking friday the 13th movie anymore which i don't know if you really need to there's already what 20 of them from the 90s and 80s uh and if you're a huge fan of friday the 13th don't don't let me don't let me rain on your parade uh it's definitely you know like anything in the horror genre i feel like it's uh you just acquire tastes for something. So there's some people out there that just like love Friday the 13th. It's just my buddy Kent, uh, who lives in in uh, Kentucky too. I think he loves that uh, movie most of all of the originals. I, I can't remember. I think we actually had this conversation, but we were a bit drunk, so I can't remember where he placed them. But uh, ultimately, yeah, Chainsaw, dude. Chainsaw's at my top. And it's fresh. I wish I could talk more about it. You know what? Why not? I can. I, this is my this is my fucking podcast. Who am I? I love that movie. <laughs> Franklin, Franklin in his wheelchair. You don't see enough like good handicapped people, like good handicapped characters in like horror movies. And I wish that was a thing more often. I mean, like every time I see one, it's always somebody's like shoehorned in, and they're like, you know. Uh, handicap ends up being some sort of like thing you it it, it, it like for some reason you know uh like in in signs um the kids got asthma which i I consider a handicap i don't i don't know if that's i don't know if that's technically true but i i i think you know your lungs occasionally failing you and possibly potentially killing you is is a pretty big handicap in my idea in my book but you know it's like his his handicap is oh no he can't breathe he can't breathe and then it's like at the end he's like oh but because he can't breathe he can't get any fucking alien fog poison ah ah and you know it's always something stupid like that uh you know somebody's 
they, like they have a crutch or whatever, you know, because they're on crutches, and then like they jam the door open with their crutch. Like, oh, thank God you were handicapped, or <laughs> we would have been stuck here. Like, I just want handicapped people to just have a just be a character, which is what Franklin is. He's like irritating and weird. When the uh, when they pick up the psycho hitchhiker, Franklin's just like egging him on, and everyone else is like, "Dude, please, Franklin, shit, stop talking to this fucking nutcase." You know, like he's just he's just perfect. He's a great character. He's a character. You know what I mean? He's not like a good guy or a bad guy or anything. But he's not. He, he doesn't have any like any of that irritating like silent nobility. Like we've got this this character has been has had some problems in their life. So you know they they have to be fucking Saint Teresa. Because they only have one leg, or they have cerebral palsy, or something like that. Like, dude, just let them be people. Let them be people. Let them make mistakes. And and stop making whatever, like, you know, disability aid that they have on their person be a major, like, deuce ex machina plot point at the end. Like, maybe we've not really deuce ex. I don't know. Maybe it is a deuce ex. But, you know, stop making, <laughs> stop making it... Uh, so just banal you know like oh shit let, let's jam a fucking handicapped character in there so that at some point we at least have a wheelchair for this chase i don't i don't fucking know i i just i i love franklin for that it's never even really addressed it's kind of a hindrance once because he fucking falls down the goddamn hill but even that i think the, oh, the only anyone you could have written any other character if it was his same character but he wasn't in a wheelchair he would have still fallen down that hill as a fucking gag with his coffee cup of piss like uh that that's just that's just what would have happened you know so it wasn't like completely different because he was a handicapped dude which i I mean i'm probably going on too much about this but the movie's great um and i feel like even if i haven't seen it start to finish i've seen so much of it in chunks maybe that's why i have it in my mind uh you know like the the my favorite part my favorite part is the first time he slides open that fucking door or really the second time when the girl's in there looking for her her deceased although she doesn't know it boyfriend before she gets the meat hook he slides open that door and you get to see inside the fucking that red room the bone room or whatever they call it oh man that is fucking good and then you just you see him and he is leatherface is fucking glorious dude like he's so colorful and bizarre and like creepy and he runs like a fucking melvin dude it's so fucking great like he's just he's wonderful because he's just such a representation of that alienness out there and how about the fucking almost the entire movie takes place during the day like that is my personal thing that i feel like you can actually you're actually good at, at making a horror thing is if you can put it during the day because anybody can make the dark scary. Nyctophobia is like one of the most basic human phobias. You know, people don't like it when it's dark. You can't see. It's unnerving. There's monsters out there in the shadows. But dude, if you can if you can set stuff when it's when you can just see, that's the fucking that's money, man, because that's when most that's when most, you know, real life horror happens in the daytime. People get shot fucking gazelles get dragged into fucking muddy water puddles in the middle of the savannah and just ripped to pieces like that's 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 the shit man it's 24 hours it's 24 hours i like it and man does he look good so dude yes absolutely check that out 
another thing I've been watching, um, where I tried to watch, I give it, I gave it my college try, uh, was the, the, the lock and key series that just got dropped on Netflix. I hate it. <laughs> I watched one episode. Um, it's not the worst thing ever. The music is fucking garbage, dude. Whoever scored that or made like the, 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 the the decisive deciding moments to like this is this is what we should have as the score should be shot or at least just strongly strongly consider you know getting a new job because god damn you fucked that one up sideways like <laughs> start to finish uh it does one of those things I, i'll talk a little bit more i've only watched one episode of it i might I might try to watch the rest of it. I'll force myself kind of to watch the rest of it. Uh, it's not, it's not absolutely bad, but it's one of those things. It's, it's fucking Joe Hill. This is his deal. It's like, I I feel like he's got some sort of fucking genetic thing in him, or maybe it's just, he just knows how to rip dad off well enough that every time I fucking get involved with something that he's made, I start to kind of like it. I'm like, all right. Premise is good. Premise is good. But then he fucks it up so bluntly that it's like irreparable. And you're like, what? You just, why did you fucking, you made me a steak. The steak is perfect. And then you pulled it off of my table as I'm cutting into it and beginning to enjoy it. And you just put it in a microwave. What the fuck is wrong with you? That's like everything with him. I actually read the entirety of the Lock and Key comic series. And I can remember large chunks of it, and I remember liking it a lot. It ends not great, um, but the the series is is awesome. But they the first episode of the 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 show is a complete chicken out because they they just change it up completely from the first volume of the comic book that I can remember, and I actually remember a lot of it, even though it's been something like. I feel like six or seven years since uh, since I finished that. I, I don't know. I don't know the exact time when the last one came out, but it was uh, Lock and Key was released serially. Uh, so it's you know twelve episodes or twelve comic books a year for like four or five years, and those are the volumes. And I think it got up to five volumes. Uh, you know, feel free to correct me online if if I'm wrong. But I remember most of it, um, and it was it was quite good. Um, the house that they have in the show is, is, is a pretty good replica. I mean, obviously you're not going to get a perfect house. I remember the one in the comic book looking a little bit more Victorian, uh, for some reason, the little gazebo in the well is almost completely perfect where the kid talks to Echo. some mild, mild spoilers for the first episode, but don't, don't worry about it. It's not going to ruin anything. It's not, the, the show's not that good. <laughs> To ruin, you know, there's not, there's no, there's no good fucking Shyamalan twist where if you, if you, if you know what the twist is, it, it's going to ruin it for you. The, these spoilers are, are as, as banal as they could be, but they're kind of necessary for talking about the, the differences. As, as I remember, as I recall, the first, the first, um, episode or the first volume, the first comic book in the series, uh, just goes right into this kid's family's murder, right? Like, it just starts off with a brutal, you know, assault on the, the main character, who's, who's also named Tyler, unfortunately. I can't... Uh, 
I fucking hate my name. <laughs> it gets used by all the worst people. But, uh. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It, um, it starts with this crazy murder, and that's really what got me into it. I was like, oh, fuck, they're just, they're just, they're just killing off, you know, high-end characters and, like, seriously seriously upsetting the balance of the family we only just sort of gotten to and then there's you know uh funerals and stuff and they move to this new town and then they move to the key house place which is the start of everything and it's well balanced it's really good it, it got me into the comic books like i said i read the whole damn thing uh start to finish and it was good uh, the, the the show dicks around and fucks around with it and it's it's so weird there's something about the show where you it has this feel where the director or the writer, maybe both, have only half of a vision. And they're trying to ape off somebody else's style, although I don't know who it would be. But you can tell that they're trying to do something without really knowing how to do it. It's like watching somebody that just picked up guitar for the first time trying to play jazz music or you know like a, a good blues riff you know e7 
to A7. Is that right? I, don't, I can't remember. But, um, you know, just that... And, like, you know, just messing up the rhythm and stuff because they're a beginner. But then, like, for some reason, you have this massive amount of production value around it. So, like, every every one of their mistakes is extremely played out. Like, I, it, it it's so amateurish, I think, is what the real word I'm looking for. It, it feels almost like somebody that directed just countless episodes of Seventh Heaven decided, like, this is the day I get into horror. <laughs> There's no tension building. There's no uh there there's there's no like good there's no tension building. I mean like I can really just stop right there. There there's no moment where you actually you don't give a fuck about the characters. The characters do uh they they exposit to explain themselves constantly. Just Joe Hill's thing. Um instead of like doing shit you know it's it's the old show don't tell which isn't a hard and fast rule eventually you're gonna have to expose it everybody does but he tries to do like this warren ellis type thing where it's all cool snippy dialogue you know what i mean a little shit talk a little shit talk about hey you know i didn't know that you were into muse yeah there's a lot of things you don't know about me like oh okay cool and then all this you know hey don't you remember that thing that you like doing? Oh, I don't like doing that thing anymore. I'm uh, an adult. <laughs> oh my god. Can I can I talk about that? I, I fucking hate that trope. I hate I hate when people talk to kids and the kids that like that conversation that always happens like, "Mom, I haven't liked that since grade school." And the mom's like, "Oh, well." Bah. Like, what does that fucking really happen in real life where like <laughs> you just you you just like miss out on your kid becoming a teenager. Teenagers are fucking irritating. I don't I don't think there was a moment in my parents' life where they just lost track of how fucking irritating I was becoming. <laughs> like, oh, I, I, I thought you still loved your teddy bear. Like, what? No one would ever say that to me. If anything, it's usually like one of those kind of like sad moments were like oh you remember when you used to really want to play guitar or you remember when you thought that you know you might want to try to get a career in drawing like i gave up on that a while ago and then your parents like oh fuck time flies kind of thing you know what i mean but it's just i don't know there there's something there to the right like to making that sort of interchange work that in this show just does not fly there's i don't know if there's a lack of chemistry between the characters or if it's just like that overwritten i'm a smart motherfucker dialogue that like drives me out like it's it's i i feel like people watched too many fucking marvel movies (laughs) recently and and you know james gunn's kind of like shooty back and forth dialogue that is it's fucking great it is good dialogue and it works perfectly right there but it's arrhythmic when you try to put it into, you know, like a horror type show or even like a most other types of shows. Anything that's grounded, that kind of snippy, look how fucking smart we are. Everyone's got a everyone's got a retort. Everyone's got a, like a, a fireback. Just doesn't it doesn't work very good in that setting. Because it it's a thing that works when stuff is supposed to be cartoony. 
You know what I mean? Like it, it, you don't have to suspend your belief at all that people can talk like that when the people talking are a fucking tree and a cartoon raccoon <laughs> and, and uh, a lady with antennas and, and big black bug eyes like that. You're fine. You're just good then. You know what I mean? When, when people are flying around, that, that's the top. You know what I mean? That's the, the upper end of your suspension of disbelief. You can raise your floor up, uh, you know, but you have to you have to have a, a good maintenance. So, like, you couldn't have it's really difficult to have, like, a, 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 a good heart to heart conversation about serious shit when you're operating in that that spectrum. You can talk about, you know, grand things, you know, simple concepts that kids can understand. Death, love the end of love people breaking up relationships anything you know like oh my kids don't understand everybody understands death it's fucking it's super simple all right you go step on an ant and then the ant stops moving you're like oh shit and then it grows from there but like you know harder stuff like grief and dealing with uh you know post-traumatic stress disorder after somebody shoots your fucking father to death in front of you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like you can't be having all these snippy conversations and stuff it, it doesn't really it's not really like that in the book either as far as i remember i might be talking out of my ass and i'm completely wrong about all these things by the way as always especially if you're new to this and you you you've you just started listening to the to the whore and lit club episodes i do not think i'm an authority on everything these are just my thoughts if you fucking love lock and key Love the shit out of it. I won't judge you, especially because we, and I have to say this on top of everything, in the horror genre, there is no such thing as good. There is only okay and like so bad it's good. I feel like there's a lot of like classics. I mean, we can just switch to this because I feel like I I don't want to dog on lock and key. I can't recommend it as I guess what my, my, the summation of my ideas is. I can't really recommend Lock and Key. Uh, I'm gonna check out Outsiders or The Outsider next uh, because it'll it'll keep me from having to read the book probably because apparently it's almost exactly the same uh, as as far as what I understand. So yeah, I don't have to. I'm sick of giving Stephen King money. I'm sorry. I like I've given that guy probably like seriously like four hundred dollars over the course of my life uh, between between royalties from movies that I've watched. And uh, actually buying his novels. Maybe it's closer to like $200. Novels aren't that expensive. But that's a lot of fucking money. That's probably about 100 times more than I've given any other author uh, in existence. Um, so I'm done with that. But, uh, but about horror. Um, this is, it, it's the one community where a lot of the times some of your favorite movies are flat dog shit. <laughs> like... Uh, they're just fucking, they're just, they're just fucking bad. Like I was talking about, uh, Friday the 13th earlier. There's a lot of people love that franchise. My, actually I was talking about my friend Kent an even better, an even, even better example. His favorite, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie, aside from Nightmare 1, is Nightmare on Elm Street 4 Dream Warriors. Or it might be 5, but I think it's 4. Which is flat out one of the stupidest fucking movies you'll ever see but i am completely on board with him when i say i fucking love that film it's so bad it's dumb 
it's corny but like it it just it just slaps dude it slaps start to finish it's it's fun man and fun is what you need to be going for and but like it's like i said earlier with you know like that 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 floor and ceiling of where you're going to be and what kind of tone you need to set that that movie is tonally on point start to finish it's fucking robert england is just yucking it up he's maximum hey bitch freddy <laughs> he snit at, at one point like he pulls some kids fucking tendons out of his arms i think that's the right this is the same one and just like walks him off of a building or out a window or something like that um it's just yeah i think this is the one where he's up on he's up in the sky like moving the sky like a puppet with his knife fingers i'm pretty sure that's the one i <laughs> i get all these things mixed up but Dude, Dreamwork, man, they go inside the dream. They're all good at video games and shit. One of the kids is like a fucking D&D wizard. <laughs> and so he goes into the dream and tries to like, blah, and you know, Freddy's fuck. Oh, uh. it, dude, absolutely watch Dream Warriors. It's great. But like I said, and especially if you're new to this and you've never heard me like dog people, you know, there's, there's some sometimes people just put out a flavor of something that you don't like in the in the horror genre. I don't like that movie a quiet place at all i think it's fucking stupid uh and my fiance got so fucking mad at me when i told her i didn't like it um it, it almost it almost ended our relationship not really but like she was lit dude she was she was not she was not happy that i was fucking making fun of that movie it doesn't make any fucking sense how did some girls fucking hearing aid get the right tone that made these things fucking heads freak out. But like the United States military, which has actual sound suppression systems. I've seen them in real life. It's a big black disc thing and they can point it at you and it just hits you with high sonic. It's the most awful thing ever. Imagine having like a mosquito inside of your brain whining. It's like literally that bad. If we have those and we have airplanes, how the fuck are these things a problem? It makes no sense. Why would you not live somewhere where your your basic sound floor is so high that they can't determine the sound from the sound? That's just the basics of understanding how sound works. Like I, I can't imagine the sound engineer that was on the 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 staff for this not just watching it and being like this is this makes no sense you know what i mean it it, it, it literally it flies there's, there's probably going to be i know they're making a sequel to it uh that's probably going to try to you know hand wave all these things but there it's the basic function of the physics of sound you know what i mean you have a pitch at 5000 kilohertz you know what i mean if there's another pitch at 5000 kilohertz that's stronger like it's going to override that it's going to it's going to sink it out it makes no sense you would not be able to hear something that's making a noise if something else is making a noise in that frequency that's just as high and something that's has a gigantic wide band frequency like water pouring down the side of a mountain so loud that you can you 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 know how you have to shout to hear over it because your sound waves coming from your throat are being eaten by the much larger, more powerful frequencies coming out of, out of the water. You know what I mean? You would, it would be extremely difficult to, 
to find those. I mean, I guess, sure, if you're a creature that has extremely complicated hearing uh, system in your head, sure. But the thing is, is the more high-tuned your ears are, the more likely they are to be damaged by stuff. And things like gunshots and cannon fire are beyond high pitch. Like, the thing is, is the air itself gets destroyed. <laughs> you cause An explosion causes cavitation in the air to the point where you can't, there, there are no sound waves passing there because there is no air anymore. And so it just, boom, and it makes that gigantic, super high pressure system fly out. And that's actually what causes most of the hearing damage when you, when you shoot guns and stuff, is you actually get air pressure hitting in the inside of your ear. It's just insanely high decibel pattern insanely high decibel patterns i'm probably fucking up a lot of what i'm saying if you're an actual sound guy please feel free by the way i guess we can do we can do a little sort of semi break if you hate what i'm saying if i'm wrong if you want to correct me uh my understanding of sound physics is you might not believe this uh i it's it, it's very very uh journeyman almost i would say i would i would say amateurish in fact um and you know I'm just a guy on the internet. E- even if I ever get published and I make it, like that doesn't give any of my opinions more credence than other people's. Please, if you disagree with me, if you hate what I'm saying, if you like what I'm saying and you want to agree with me, tell me online. Go to westsidefairytales at gmail.com. Drop me a line and just uh, tell me if you if you like it, if you don't like it. Whatever. It's fine. Uh, I like it. I like it when people write me and I'll always, I will always, always, always write you back. So go ahead and, and reach out. If you just want to say something online, head on over to the West Side Fairy Tales Horror and Lit Club on Facebook. We, it's a closed group, but we'll let you in if you're not a robot. And if you're not one of those weird, like Bangladeshi scam artists that have started to circle me like fucking gnats ever since I got mildly popular, that, uh, they constantly threaten to 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 shut my podcast down if I don't give them money. <laughs> and these like these they 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 join the groups and the Facebook and stuff, and then they try to they they send me spam. But if you're not that, and you like horror, and you like literature, and you like you know just talking to people about that, hop on into the uh, hop on into Facebook.com/slash Westside Fairy Tales Horror and Lit Club, or go to Facebook.com. And just look for the West Side Fairy Tales. We have a normal page on there. I'd appreciate a like if you got a, if you have a second. Go on our Twitter. Uh, I use that sometimes. <laughs> That's at WS Fairy Tales. Our Instagram is Instagram.com slash West Side Fairy Tales. Or just West Side Fairy Tales in the search bar. You'll, you'll get there. You'll get there. Um, and I, I have started plugging these in the middle of the episodes because I don't have any advertising inventory. If you like the West Side Fairy Tales horror and Lit Club, and especially if you like the regular episodes of the West Side Fairy Tales, please, 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 please consider supporting us by either buying some merchandise or going on Patreon. Uh, these these episodes take a lot to produce. This one, obviously, not as much, but the actual West, Fi- West Side Fairy Tales regular episodes, they take upwards of 40-ish hours per episode and that's that's 40 hours of flat non-stop work it's spread out over you know days so each one of those things is just an immense effort on my part and um it's free man and it's always going to be free as far as i as far as i'm concerned you'll always be able to get to the west side fairy tales content online if that's something that you think 
uh, deserves a couple bucks, hey, go to westsidefairytales.com slash merch. Buy yourself a t-shirt. Uh, the profits from those come straight to us, and it helps the, it helps the, the podcast stay alive, man. You can get uh, a poster. You could buy some stickers. Uh, you could even get a mug and, you know, drink some coffee out of it and show everybody that you love us. Or if you have, you know, uh, if you want to hear stuff like this early, if you want to get access to special behind-the-scenes content, if, if you like me, hearing me talk and you want to hear me talk more, uh, hop on our Patreon at patreon.com slash westsidefairytales. Throw me a dollar. You get stuff uh, early, a day early. Um, and if you throw us $5 or more, then we start sending you shit. You'll get a monthly PDF ebook, basically, of the, uh, of the month's story. Then you also get access to behind the story episodes where I talk about my inspiration, why I wrote the story, and what was kind of going on in my mind when I put it all together. And, uh, you know, at 10 bucks and more, man, you get free merch. You get super early access to raw episodes of the show. 20 bucks will send you a signed poster. And, man, if you give, us, if you give me 50 bucks, I will print out your story of choice. I will sign it and I will send it to you. That's complete with the artwork from Yui Breedlove, too. So, and she gets a little bit. She gets a taste, too. She gets royalties off these things. So, hey, if you like, if you, if you don't like me, but you like, you like Yui's artwork, buy some stuff from me and she'll get a cut. Um, but I think uh, from there, we're going to transition into the, the meat of the episode and start talking about Night of the Hunter, written by Davis Grubb, a West Virginian native author in 1953 um it's one of it's it's a really good book i'd say it's not maybe necessarily one of my favorites but it's damn good uh it's 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 really damn good the thing is is the film is better (laughs) the film is fucking amazing um let me tell you a little bit about the, the the story and the history so the uh, Story of Night of the Hunter is based on the real-life uh, serial killer, Harry Powers. He's a Dutch-born serial killer. He was hanged in Moundsville, which is where Davis was born, in 1932. March 18th, 1932, as a matter of fact. So it's actually almost... What is that? Oh, dude, don't make me do math. 70 plus 20. Almost 90 years ago? Almost 90 years ago? That's, that's, that's wild. That is crazy, isn't it? Uh, 80, 88 years ago. Uh, and he was aged 38 years old. This dude's original name, this is like the best serial killer name ever. His original name from when he was born in the Netherlands is Harm Drenth. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Harm, H-A-R-M, Drenth, D-R-E-N-T-H. He was born in 1893 in Beerta, Netherlands. And uh, what he would do is he would lure women in with uh, what they call Lonely Hearts letters. Uh, if you're not familiar with these, because they have completely fallen, there's no reason for Lonely Hearts letters anymore, unless I, I feel like probably there's some old people that actually still put them in newspapers. But basically what you would do is some, some newspapers even had a Lonely Hearts section, but they're, they're personal classified. So like, you know... Like male seeking male, woman seeking woman, kind of thing. It's that, but like cleaner, I guess you would say. So it was, it was more like a letter, a letter. As far as this is from what I know of them, and you know, you would write like, "I'm a, I'm a bachelor 
divorced man of of years or widowed man of of 32 years looking for love uh i'm seeking a woman who understands basic woman shit i don't know what the fuck these people would write but you know they would write them this is pre-tinder so you know you kind of just got what you could get and it's also back in the day if your husband died and you were a woman man you're fucking you're possibilities in life were slim to fucking none just because of the way that society was set up it wasn't anything to do with the women you know they'd be hard workers and shit but people just wouldn't give you a fucking job and that shit didn't change until you know world war ii when women started working in factories and it kind of began the the beginning of the end of the male-dominated workplace not to say you know everything's perfect nowadays but it's fucking completely different than it was back in the 1930s and this is also, you know, depression era America. So people are extremely desperate. And he would send out these Lonely Hearts Club messages and lure women in. And um, <laughs> he had an alias. And his alias was Cornelius O. Pearson, which I feel like is almost Cornelius, a person in my head. Uh and the police eventually tracked him to Fairmont, West Virginia, and sentenced him to death for five murders, though he may have committed more. Obviously, this is back in the day. Uh, they, they caught you with what they could catch you on. This one woman that he was going after, I think her name was Dietrich, um, and he, he did. He's, he successfully managed to kill her. Her, I think it was a caretaker or some, some close relative of hers. I, I, I should have written more of this down, but uh, she was like, hey, um, she disappeared? And like, what the fuck? And so the cops kind of came and, and checked out everything and found these these letters. Managed to track him all the way back to, to Fairmont, Virginia. I think this woman was in New York City, uh, as a matter of fact. So quite, quite the travel. Um, at the time, so this guy was arrested and he was taken to Moundsville, uh, which is the former home, well, I guess it's still technically the home of the West Virginia State Penitentiary at Moundsville, uh, what they used to call the old bucket of blood, and is the location of one of my stories from season one, Carpenter Under Stone, which is, uh, man, that's a fucking throwback. That shit came out like four years ago, dude. Isn't that wild? Three years ago, at least. Uh, I digress. (laughs) So, yeah, he was taken to Moundsville, which is basically the one kind of prison in West Virginia at the time. And it was it's a fucking it's a nightmare of a jail, dude. It is so gross and creepy. Uh, They filmed an episode of Mindhunter there. If you're familiar with the Mindhunter show, I know a lot of my uh, listeners have seen that. Um, If you remember the one with Speck, Speck. Uh, is in Moundsville in that. I don't think he's in like literally in Moundsville, but he's actually at the building, which still exists, and you can do tours of it. Uh, people still film stuff. If you remember um, in Mindhunter, where they step into this big cylindrical cage thing, the uh, the two detectives, um, Tench and... Tench is the only one whose name I can remember because his name is great, but they step into this big cylindrical thing, and it rotates. <laughs> and lets them into the prison. Uh, that's that's a real thing, and you can actually get into it sometimes. And it was actually broken for years until they had it fixed. Uh, basically, a production company came in, and it wasn't Mindhunter, it was a different one. And they wanted to film an episode of something in there, and the people showed them that, and they were like, what the fuck? That is awesome. 
So basically it's it's what it is is a cage, a cylindrical cage with one opening and then there's like sort of walls and cage around it and it rotates in. So it's always only got one side facing any area. So you can kind of like rotate pre- prisoners in and out of it. It turns like a lazy Susan. Uh but yeah, so the the guys came in and they saw it and they're like, "Hey, can we get can we fix that?" Like, we'll we'll pay for have that fix pay to have that fixed if we can if we can use it and they're like hell yeah man <laughs> we run ghost tours through here we'll take all the money we can get uh but that's 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 moundsville and so he was taken there back when it was still active and just full of you know west virginia's worst people and a highly dangerous highly highly dangerous uh building extremely it do yeah you have to visit if you ever get a second but i, I digress uh, and he was hanged in the old carriage house there, which is how they did executions until they built, I think it was a gas chamber. It might've been a, no, it was an electric chair. Duh, Tyler, you fucking idiot. Uh, you wrote a goddamn story about it. <laughs> they built, they built uh, West Virginia's first electric chair there in the 1950s. But before that they would hang people in the carriage house, which you can still walk underneath. It's a big stone and wood building. And basically there was just a, a drop out of the top and it's, you know, 30 some odd feet. And they'd plunk, and you'd fall right into the opening from the obscured area up top down. And that just leads right out onto, like, one of the main streets in Moundsville. So people would just, like, like, oh, fuck, they're doing an execution. And they'd wander over there from lunch and watch somebody drop and pop. And ah. and then you'd leave because it was 1931. It's not like you're getting on fucking Reddit for, you know, for your lunch break or or watching, you know, a little bit of ESPN on your phone. That's you just you're like, ah, what did you do today? Ah, I saw them fucking hang that uh, serial killer. They didn't even call him a serial killer. Lonely Hearts Killer, a freak show murderer, or something like that. Who knows? But um, Davis Grubb would have been 12 when that happened. It, I could easily, I, I tried to find some information of whether or not he would have gone over and watched the killing. It's as like as not that he would have seen it. I know from other stuff that I've read about him that he had seen people get hanged there and stuff. It was it's pretty common. No one like it wasn't shocking there because like half of the people in Moundsville worked at the prison. You know what I mean? And then a lot of people. I think it's something like five to ten percent of the population of Moundsville were uh, former prisoners because <laughs> just so. Um, I'm just going to fucking ramble about this because I love Moundsville so much and I love West Virginia in Moundsville. The, uh, the, the, at the state pen, they would have something that you, they called them trustees, uh, which, which is still something that sort of exists at different prisons, uh, throughout, you know, America today. Although it's a little less common because our prison system has gone from being like the quaint old shitty fucking prisons of yours to like a nightmarish, you know, industrial, uh, human rights grinder um but back then they would have people called trustees so you know if you got if you got arrested for murder probably not gonna be a trustee but if you were in for something stupid like you know assault or drunken disorderly like like simple assault which is you know fighting beating somebody up and you you come to your terms you've done like six or ten years and you've behaved yourself they would let you leave the prison during the day and do different jobs around town and so some people got good at different jobs around town. You know, you're like, what do you do? Like, I, I work at the, the the blacksmith. I'm a billows blower or some stupid shit like that. You'd end up getting a job at the blacksmith. I'm just like, what do you do? Like, oh, yeah, I used to be in the prison, but I got a, I got a job now. And I work in Moundsville, which I know this might sound uh, 
a little bit, you know, socialist of me, but maybe that's a better way of dealing with our prisoner problem than the one that we're doing right now, uh, which is just uh, slave labor. <laughs> we, we use people for slave labor, teach them no trades, uh, and then when they get out, they just have to tell everybody that they were a felon and then say, what can you do? Like, well, I can commit crime because you don't need much of a resume to be a criminal. You just know other criminals that can vouch for you and you're in. And I actually happen to know hundreds, thousands actually of other criminals. Oh, but anyway, yeah. So that was Moundsville and that's where uh, young grub was from at the time, young Davis. And so it's not hard to imagine him, you know, watching this. He definitely heard about it. You know, this is a crime in Fairmont, West Virginia, Small crimes in West Virginia or of a particularly gruesome nature, not a small, petty crime, but rather a small town crime where you would think only a few people even know about it still becomes massive news today. You know what I mean? People know what the fuck is going on on, you know, Cabin Creek. <laughs> like, like everybody knows. Like, the, oh, yeah, that's the fucking, they're driving too fast past the school buses again. But, uh... He didn't write the story. Obviously, he was 12 at the time. He didn't write the story until um, it was released in 1955, but I can imagine him just thinking about it all the time. This was his first novel. Um, He published it when he was 34, and um, it was pretty much like the kind of beginning of the end of his massive, of his uh, very long-running career. He died in 19... 80 he made he wrote one other novel of note called fool's parade which i believe i recommended all the way back in season one the first time i i talked about moundsville after carpenter carpenter under stone fool's parade is great i like fool's parade better than night of the hunter um maybe just because i haven't seen the movie <laughs> uh but film fool's fool's parade was actually filmed at the jail which i think yeah i think they they, they, they did it around. Yeah, oh yeah, it was, it was shut down. During Fool's Parade, the, the jail was obviously still open, uh, but the jail had been shut down, I think, permanently by the time it, uh, or semi-permanently. Like, so basically, they shut down chunks of the jail as they built more modern facilities, and I think part of it was shut down, and they actually were able to film inside of it. I know they have all kinds of relics from the filming and, and stuff uh, down there in Moundsville, actually, in the, the museum inside the inside the uh the building <laughs> but uh grub just never really took off he wrote some of his short stories got published uh well i mean they got pub- almost all of them got published to some degree but uh a few of them got adapted into by hitchcock for hitchcock one of the hitchcock's random shows uh and by rod serling for one of his non twilight zone shows and then he kind of disappeared he was like a real cool freak show of a dude uh from what i understand he lived in clarksburg toward the end of his life um he lived in new york city actually for a while when he was actually kind of getting published um fool's parade was one of his last novels uh, i think it was like four before the end um and then voices of glory which is my favorite book i have ever read um was his like fifth of i think a total of nine and then you know multitude of short stories but Grub, man, he, he would like, I think he wore like feathers in his hair and stuff. Uh, I, I really want to do like a big biography on him because he's so interesting. It's like, it's, 
he's the biggest author I think to ever come from West Virginia fiction author at least period um Jeanette Walls would be the most famous author at least of our time because you know fucking glass castle everybody apparently people read that across the country and in, in in schools i i had never heard of it until obviously i started dating sam and she hipped me to west virginia and i fell in love with the fell in love with the state but yeah grub kind of just faded into obscurity and i remember there being uh reading stuff online when i was trying to learn more about him it's, it's hard to find i can't even find fucking pictures of the dude really um and you know, just like there's one person that was kind of trying to keep the keep the flame alive in the the 80s and stuff and 70s really when Davis's health was fading. Um, it's kind of on a on a sad note there, but uh, it 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 does play back into the rest of the the film. So I'll talk about him some more later, possibly. Uh, as for the film, the film was released in 1955, just a couple years after publication. Directed by Charles Lawton, starring Robert Mitchum, Shelley Winters, and Lillian Gish as the uh, grandmotherly lady at the end. Shelley Winters is the widow Marlowe, I believe, and um, Robert Mitchum plays the uh, Harry Powers, the iconic love and hate tattooed on his fingers, dressed like a preacher, and singing that fucking song, leaning, leaning. Safe and secure from all alarm. God, dude, that shit is so fucking haunting. Um, this is Charles Lawton's only directorial showing. Uh, he never directed anything else. Um, the show or the film was actually a box office and critical disaster. Um, to understand more about that, you got to understand that in 1950s, uh, the 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 entirety of hollywood was kind of going through like a series of massive changes you know things were in changing from black and white to color almost permanently you had you know there's still the silent film days and like what they called like the studio system uh there's a lot of musicals in the 1950s and uh this is like a really serious film it's 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 wild how good it is it's at the time, only like people in Europe were using the types of shots that he uses, and they are stunningly beautiful even to this day. Um, it, it's 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 really fucking incredible um, how good it is, and the soundtrack works. Some of the criticism I've seen of it was that there's some uh, tonally inconsistent, funny parts, uh, which I. I guess I can give it to you. There's there's a there's a bit of of, of slap stickery early in the show, but I personally think it works uh, because at that point there is a, a sort of deviation from not a deviation. Well, yeah, there's a deviation at the beginning between the sort of carefree existence of these children who live in in Moundsville. Uh, Glory, I think, is the, I don't know if I don't know if they call it glory in the movie but it's in davis's uh canon moundsville is always referred to as as glory west virginia uh which i gave a nod to in everything that i write uh you guys yeah no one in the aside from carpenter under stone i don't think i talk too much about glory west virginia but as an homage to him i i I always refer to moundsville as glory 
whenever I write about West Virginia, which is, you know, neither here nor there. Let me get back to the, let me get back to the discussion. So the kids have this sort of carefree children's life, you know, as 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 carefree as they can be in depression era Appalachia. And Mitchum's character, this this preacher, is just this disgusting, devious animal of a man. Uh, and you really get the feeling that he's almost animalistic. And all of his scenes are much, much darker. You know what I mean? But the, the townspeople are these sort of goofballs and stuff. But as the children's stories and Mitchum's stories begin to intertwine, you know, you don't, you don't get much more of that slapstickiness and... It, it it becomes very serious and I think it works better as it just kind of to jar you out you know what I mean I was talking about tonal consistency earlier in the in, in the show but you know there are no hard and fast rules you want to have a tonal consistency almost throughout because I mean you know hey you want to have most songs stay in the same key throughout the entire song but you can have key changes and, you know, the dissonance and assonance and all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, in this case, I think it makes a, a good change up from them as children becoming, you know, these, these sort of fugitives from their own stepfather who is, you know, <laughs> is pure evil. My favorite scene with him, uh, and it's in the book too. Uh, I think it's done a little bit differently in the book. I haven't read. I, I, I put all these recommendations out, you know. I do this a year ahead of time and I haven't read the book in like four years now, which I, I, I do feel somewhat ashamed of. I wish it was a bit fresher in my mind. If I don't have the time to reread a whole book, but uh, even in the movie, he's, he hates women. Uh, like they gross him out. Like female sexuality fucks with him. Uh, and there's just a scene where he's in, you know, this theater and just like kind of thumbing his knife open and stuff. And it's just, it's just, really powerful and you know you contrast that with these kids like pop 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 and their mother who's just a fucking you know a lonely old goofball of a woman and then when they get together things start getting what monthly darker and darker and darker and then like that's really when the movie starts for real um and it, it's got a feeling of almost uh movements like in a, a greater musical piece which i could kind of say lofton probably understands and i he also, if you should, I should kind of take a digression there. So Lawton, uh, or Lawton was actually an actor um, and English, uh, which is why he's not in this at all, because he's, he's quite English. He's a Shakespeare guy, like a lot of those uh, British actors are. And he was really famous for that. And he was in a bunch of movies too, but he was also, uh, he was also in Shakespeare stuff. And if you know a lot about Shakespeare, you mix up. There's there's funny parts in uh, everything. Every every one of his plays basically has at least a little bit of comedy. I think maybe maybe Caesar uh, might not. Julius Caesar might not have much, but I think there's even jokes in that one. Um, but you know, it's it's part of the Shakespearean tradition to not take yourself too 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 seriously and have a little bit of you know the old fig in there. Um, so he also played a lot of antagonists, by the way. I, I, these are, I'm just reading off my notes, which are completely, completely disjointed. Um, and uh, Lawton never, he never directed another show after this. And I, they said at the time that 
um, United Artists, who produced the film, had no idea what to do with it. It was uh, considered really arty, arty for the time. Uh, today, I would say it's pretty, pretty middle ground, uh, high, high end on the art side, but like pretty middle ground as far as whether or not people would consider it, you know, an art house picture. Uh, but at the time, people hadn't really seen stuff like this. Um, they didn't know how to how to sell it because they didn't really know what kind of genre it was in. Horror wasn't really established. Uh, and, and honestly, Grubbs, Grubbs work kind of defies genre, which is why I think it's good. You should not try to write too hard to genre even. Uh, and I'm going to give this, this advice to anybody that writes literature, quote unquote, even you guys, you know, need to step back every once in a while and, and break the rules or, or just really establish your own rules for the kind of stories you want to tell. Grub has a very defined style. Uh, and these movies fit into it. I, I don't know where I'm really going to. Oh yeah. But it, it is, it is hard to sell. It's probably why Grub didn't catch on very well back then. I feel like if he was around today getting published, he would have a much larger, a, a much larger audience. It's just that back then, you know, you had, four or five outlets to get information to people and those outlets would get clogged with money real quick. And so if it wasn't the big thing of the year, it wouldn't be a thing at all. You know what I'm saying? You had ABC, you had NBC, you had CBS. And you know, if you're not, if you're not playing on those big three advertisement wise, you're not playing at all. And, uh, they spent almost no money on advertising things. The few people that, uh, what do you call it? reviewed the film, didn't get it, and uh, it kind of languished and died, and I, it, that might have killed Lawton's director, directing career, or he might have just been like, fuck this then, <laughs> which I probably would have been the same. Um, but as a, a as of note, he usually did play antagonists, and he played, or, or really dark, or like stern, kind of dislikable characters, and he played Captain Bly in Mutiny on the Bounty, which is uh, based on the real-life mutiny on the bounty, which is also the basis for my story, Oh Heaven. So that's kind of like a weird, neat uh, come-around right there. But, man, um, so the movie's just, the movie's beautiful, and I love it. Uh, and it's it's just as good as the book. Honestly, a little bit better, um, which is rare for, rare for me to say. You know, you usually hear that the, the book is almost always better than the story. And I think it's because in books, especially books that play to the, uh, play to the strengths of the written word. You know what I mean? Like internal dialogue, a movie based on a book that is written in the first person, like, uh, what's that? Please Tyler American psycho. You know, it's hard to it's hard to get that because you're going to have to have that inner mile inner monologue going. That's like the 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 best thing about American Psycho is that the inner monologue is going all the time. And that's kind of like what gives you it. I love American Psycho, but the book is way better than the movie. Uh, and it's not that the movie's bad. It's just that the book just hits so much harder because it's absolutely using that uh that medium to its to its utmost you know you're just right there in the brain of this psycho killer and 
you can do that stuff with film, but it makes it much more avant-garde. It makes it much crazier when you try to do those bookie type things with film because you know on film everything has to be visual or audible to some degree you know what i'm saying so like you can't just have text <laughs> it's I, i'm i'm stumbling over trying to say this the correct way what i'm what i'm trying to get at is when you try to do these incredible things that people do with with the written word these you know little dancing bits and stuff and you try to put them on film sometimes you have to cut out things that are so crucial to what makes the story good that it it, it just it just can never be as good uh, i would say lolita um i've seen the lolita film it's it's never going to live up to nabokov's fucking masterpiece of the english language because you don't have nabokov bouncing just fucking pure jazz Every fucking sentence, every little, every little typed, you know, bit of this, bit of that. But my favorite line, I've probably said this in a bunch of different ones, but one of my favorite lines in the English language or just the use of a word in the English language is when he is describing the letter, a letter that the Lolita sent him, this Humbert Humbert character, who's the main character of, uh, of Lolita. Man, that, how about how hard that was to say? <laughs> Lolita is the main character of Lolita. Uh, he only ever calls the girl that, and I think she has a real name, but I can't remember it, and I don't think you're really intended to, because, dude, I will fucking, I would read, I, I would honestly reread Nabokov just to talk about Lolita again. Maybe I will, but there's one use of a word, and it's sick, S-I-C, uh, in parentheses, which if you don't know, it's deep archaic uh english sic means that whatever in parentheses means that whatever was spelled before that word is being spelled like that on purpose and you usually use it in something like a court document or possibly in journalism when you append that to the end it's basically to show that this uh spelling mistake is intentionally in there and so you know him explaining that this girl made this adorable mistake puts SIC with an exclamation point sick like ah can you believe what she said and it's just at that moment I'm I was I loved it and I was so happy <laughs> that uh that I saw that word being used because it's one of those things when you're a writer or at least even when you have like a big love of words you want to use them you know what I'm saying like it, it, it's just the same as with a musician, you know, if you, if you learn a certain type of chord or a certain, uh, scale progression over, over a chord, you know, you're like, oh, this, 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 this riff in Lydian just sounds awesome, but you don't have a whole story to put, you don't, you don't have a, a greater structure to insert that into. It's always, it, it, it'll weigh on you and you're like, oh man, I just wish I could, I wish I could stick that in there. And I've always wanted to use SIC, uh, because it's just just to say that I did it. You know what I'm saying? Like just to find where I can stick that little bit of a flourish. Uh and this is I read Nabokov going on 14 years ago now. And uh no, not 14. Jesus Christ, I'm not that old. Probably Oh, probably just like 8. Yeah. Like 8 years ago. And oh, Jesus Christ, it would have been 11. I know exactly I I know exactly when I read it. I read it in 2009. 
Jesus, I am that old. <laughs> um, but you just want to find one, one specific place to find that flourish. And then I saw that word being used in this story like that. And it, it just blew my mind. And I absolutely, I absolutely loved it. But there's no way that you're going to ever be able to put that on, on film. It's just, it's utterly impossible. It's like trying to put, you know, Jonathan Coltrane's songs out in Morse code. It, it just doesn't make any sense. The, the, the opposite, or the, this idea is true going in an opposite direction. When people write about music, it's always, always weird. <laughs> I, I love music. I, I, I grew up musically. Um, I'm not like musically inclined, but I just, some people might disagree with that. Uh, I don't feel like I am, but I do understand music. I've been playing it since I was eight and, uh, there is just something about writing about music that is very, very difficult to the point where sometimes you should, you're just like, especially if you don't, don't know that much about music or know too much about music, you should just, just say it was good. (laughs) Say it was good and rock and, and roll. Cause it's always this, it's always these like uh, descriptions that are like waves and surges and then, you know, blah, 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 blah. And uh, it, it never, it's never perfect. I mean, sometimes you just have to write about music and then in that, just write about it, you know, Hey, don't, none of these are, none of these are hard and fast rules. This is just me shitballing. But, uh, yeah, man, writing about music is hard. It's especially cause it always almost all sounds the same because song structure is very similar song to song uh you know the 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 larger parts of what you're talking about that because you know there's there are these little parts and these big parts and you know but but you can't just say like hey man this is like 16 quarter notes in a row but they were all slightly off beat so they're hitting real perfect on that drum like that and you know, so if you know all about the music, you can actually describe what's happening. It can it can come off very very weird. Talking about music's good. I feel like if you hear somebody talking about music, you can kind of get it more because you can kind of feel their excitement and stuff. But once you go to something that's just as as flat and black and white as text on the page, it just doesn't ever work that right. I'm 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 blathering on at this point, and I have kept your guys' attention for too long, I believe. <laughs> Um, in, in summation, man, absolutely go see, absolutely go see Night of the Hunter. Uh, the movie is, it's amazing, man. The use of the camera is absolutely perfect, uh, almost throughout the entirety of the movie. You don't want to have glory shots every, well, pun, I guess, technically. You don't want to have, you know, your, your glory shots every, everything. So, but they, so they lend, they let you kind of slide into it. So you don't have to worry about like, you know, when you see a movie that's a little too artsy, like a Paul Thomas, not, is it Paul Thomas Anderson or just Paul Anderson? One of them is an extremely auteur director. And the other one is the guy that made fucking uh, resident evil. And I can never tell them apart in my head. Uh, but if you watch a movie like uh, the master, which is, you know, beautiful, just shot beautifully start to finish, but it's also three hours long. And you're like, I don't know if you needed to linger on that water for five minutes. You did. You did. And you have the right to because you are uh, a wealthy and well-respected 
director, but did you need to? Did you really need to? <laughs> uh, you don't have to worry about any of any of that sort of overly artsy stuff. I don't think it's that long of a movie either. It might be. I can't remember. I don't remember it being long, so even if it is, I think you don't have to worry about getting bored. That's the that's the real test. But all that aside, man, yeah, that's where we're going to wrap the episode. Thanks for sticking out with me. Uh, we're over 70 minutes at this point. I have talked about everything under the sun, and I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, if you didn't, if you want to tell me to shut the fuck up, Tyler, mind your own business. Tyler, stop, for the love of God, talking shit about the things that I love. You fucking asshole. <laughs> Write me at westsidefairytales at gmail.com. Tell me it was good. Tell me it was bad. Tell me you want me to talk about more stuff, other stuff. Just write me. Maybe I'll read your, maybe I'll read your your comments and concerns live on the air. And uh, maybe I maybe I'll just be hurt. <laughs> I'll just go crawl into my bed and 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 wish that I'd never asked people to write me in the first place. Also, you can get to me at uh, <laughs> Facebook.com/slash Westside Fairy Tales at WS Fairy Tales on Twitter, and as I said before, please, please, please consider supporting us on Patreon or by buying some merchandise at our store, westsidefairytales.com slash merch. Links are in the episode descriptions. You should be able to just click on them and they will send you right there. Please come back in about two weeks. We're going to have the new story waiting for you. This one is called The Move. And it's about a, uh, a moving crew that has a job to do at a large, frightening mansion in the hills around Portland, Oregon. And, you know, they get in there. Some shit happens. You know how it is. This is a horror and dark fiction podcast. It's not going to have a happy ending for all those characters. I think you should check it out. That's going to be on the first Friday of April. And uh, until then, as always, stay safe out there. Westside Fairy Tales is written, read, scored, and produced by Tyler Bell. Episode artwork by Yui Breedlove. All content herein. Copyright 2020 WSF Productions LLC. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Something's not quite right in the quiet mountain town of Targrady, West Virginia. Months after a local teen was lynched in the dead of a hot summer night, two men stand charged with murder in what the majority opinion considers to be an open and shut case. But Adelaide Stevenson, a young crime reporter from Charleston, is finding out the smallest cracks in the official narrative run far, far deeper than she could have ever expected. Join Adelaide and West by God as she navigates small-town secrets, the dubious ethics of her own profession, and the dark whispers of an ancient creature, known to some as the Witcham Woman, who prowls the shadowed hollers that lie between night and nightmare. Sent on overnight assignment to cover the start of the trial, Adelaide quickly realizes the story she's been told, and been telling, doesn't make sense. Cryptic assertions of a concrete alibi are emailed to her by the family of the accused. Nobody in town seems comfortable discussing the basic facts of the case, and the murder she's been writing about wasn't the only tragic death this summer. Adelaide extends her stay against the wishes of her editor, and her investigations take a complicated and dangerous turn as she discovers the true depths of the mysteries surrounding Targrady. The only real evidence from the night of the murder may lie in the hands of a notorious local crime family led by an enigmatic woman known as the Fetid Queen. Local authorities seem to grow more hostile by the hour, and even Adelaide's own career might not survive this assignment. Featuring an eclectic cast of characters ranging from violent and horrifying to outlandish and fabulous, West by God is a must-read novel for anybody who enjoys Twin Peaks, Stephen King, and all the creepy places you find just off the path in the woods. It is the debut novel of Tyler Bell, a USMC infantry combat veteran, former crime and courts reporter for the Charleston Daily Mail, and creator of the award-winning Westside Fairy Tales horror and dark fiction podcast, due for release by Henlo Press in October of 2023. Learn more at westsidefairytales.com slash westbygod.